Welcome to the Global CISO Forum, the podcast for information security executives. I hope you guys are excited to see us pop up in your podcast feed once again. We took some time during these, you know, the COVID era to set up a quick little studio in my uh, closet, um, and I'm excited. Our first interview back is with Todd Bell. He is the CISO and Trust Officer at Vertigi. I'm sorry, Vertigis. Vertigy? Help me out, Todd. Vertigree. Vertigree. Thank you. (laughs) Vertigree Holdings. Sorry about that. I had it and then I lost it. Um, And Todd is a longtime friend of EC Council, the Certified CISO CISO program, um, and our our CISO events series. He's um, been a speaker dating back all the way to 2012 in Miami. Um, And he's a speaker again this year at Global CISO Forum at Home 2020. Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about Todd and give you a sneak preview of his very cool API talk that he's going to present to us uh, in October. Welcome to the show, Todd. Thank you for the warm welcome. Absolutely. It's so great to talk to you. Um, you know, we spent about half an hour trying to start this this podcast interview because we <laughs> we're just catching up as people, as friends. And that's I think a lot of us are doing that Um a lot of us who are isolating at home, especially, I think it's it's nice to talk to humans every once in a while, and it's been really great catching up with you. And I'm just so glad we have you on your on the agenda this year. Um, it's just really it's special to have you back eight years after I think your first time speaking at a EC Council event. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think for the past uh, eight months of my career. Uh, recently joined a fintech startup, and what was really strange about my role was that, you know, we had a situation where I was a one-man show, and in prior roles, uh, I've always had a team, and in this situation, I had to be a one-man show, and I really had to get hands-on with my job and working very closely with the developers, and as I went through this journey, Uh, I started to discover that there's a lot of loopholes and security issues uh, related to APIs because, as we know, APIs have been around for a long time. But now we live in this new API economy, and everything is now connecting to an API. And so this is where it really started to raise my awareness and started to recognize some of the vulnerabilities. Huh. That's a really interesting perspective. So you had to get really more hands-on with some stuff that maybe previously other team members, employees would have been handling and you, you realize, wow, this is, this is kind of huge. I wonder if other CISOs are as plugged into this. Was that kind of how this talk came about? Absolutely. Because, you know, I think that what I've learned over the years is, you know, I think I was operating just like any other CISO out there where we know to follow the OWASP top 10 uh, mobile security uh, vulnerabilities and running our dynamic and static source code testing and then uh, being able to, uh, you know, understand what the business process flows and how data is moving into these, uh, you know, mobile apps and how they interact with our APIs. But one of the things that I never really dug deep with is with APIs themselves. 
And so that's when I started to notice that we started to have some vulnerabilities related to our APIs. For instance, uh, REST APIs are super popular. They're used uh, all over the world. And what I didn't know is that uh, with REST APIs, uh, the client ID and the secret uh, and also the URL is hard-coded on the mobile device that when we download something and so it makes these calls to some type of an orchestrator like a MuleSoft, for instance, and then being able to uh, access back-end systems like a SaaS system. And in our case, we're a banking as a service. And we started to recognize that, geez, you know, hard-coding credentials, well, that's not a smart thing to do. And if a hacker was able to uh, download our mobile app, uh, reverse engineer it by decompiling it, they would be able to see uh, the client ID, the secret ID, and the URL, and they could launch a DDoS attack. And the reason why that matters is that, you know, we live in a really politically divided times as a nation. And if a company says something that, you know, a hacker might not agree with, uh, what a great way to attack the API of just overwhelming uh, the authentication API. So anybody that has a mobile app, uh, you can prevent them from logging in. And the tricky thing is that you have the credentials uh, to look like legitimate traffic because most companies don't leverage rate limiting uh, for the connections trying to go into their API so you can't drop the traffic. And so this is a blind spot that really opened my eyes. That's really interesting. Um... Yeah, because there's nothing like your talk on our agenda, and I haven't seen, I haven't seen an API talk on a on a CISO agenda either, for other events. So I'm really excited to hear about it. Um, and you know, even I as a layperson know how critical APIs are and how vulnerable they can be. Just because you kind of have to, or you don't have to, but it seems like people just kind of click, you know accept all or just, you know, install it. And it seems to come, sometimes they come prepackaged. And if you let that happen, I can, I can see how that would be, you know, you're connecting this to this, to this, to this, and it's you know, just a trail of vulnerabilities. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see that kind of talk on our agenda. Going back to your current role, I, what I wanted to point out, so you're the CISO and trust officer. Tell us a little bit about the trust officer part of that job role. Cause I, I don't think I've seen that one either. Yeah, and the reason why I wanted my job description modified is that I didn't want us to be another one of those companies that blows it. And I don't know about you, but I'm really sick and tired of my data being lost all the time. And it really comes down to thoroughness of the job itself and digging deep and getting your hands dirty. And I recognize that when you become a director and above, uh, from uh, a cybersecurity perspective that we kind of step away from the keyboard. Now we're in leadership and now we're managing teams, but it's still really important to understand what's happening around you. And in this particular situation, um, I didn't have a team. And so I had to teach myself a lot of things and I became a full administrator for a lot of platforms, which I never envisioned to see myself as an executive become a full administrator. Uh, that's really unusual. And so I had to learn this. And 
fortunately, um, I started attending uh, daily stand-ups for our scrum meetings. And so I started to dig deeper uh, with our development team, started asking more questions. And this is where I started to discover uh, that, you know what, if we don't set this up correctly, there's some potential vulnerabilities. And that we started to realize that this is an industry-wide problem. This isn't just us. This is uh, a lot of your apps that you have in your Android or iOS store because a lot of them use the REST uh, API. And the right way to do uh, authentication is using OAuth and what's called proof key for code exchange. And that's something that I'll be talking more about uh, during my presentation here this October. Uh, you know, what do you do about it? You know, so one of the things is I didn't want to have a scare tactic, you know, <laughs> the sky is falling in the presentation, but something that, hey, what do I do and where do I look? Because I want to raise the awareness for CISOs and their teams to dig deeper into the APIs because, as I mentioned, you know, we have this API economy that's, uh, you know, exploding right now. But the reason why it's exploding is, you know, here we are. We're this little scrappy startup. Nobody's ever heard of us. And here we are able to build a humongous platform that's enterprise scale that can go from 1 million to 20 to 50 million transactions per second, and we didn't have to invest millions into software. And so essentially what we did is we had MuleSoft as our orchestrator and our API management tool, and we're able to uh, connect to back-end banking systems uh, that the huge banks are using to identity management platforms, AML platforms. And the irony is that we didn't own any of this software and we're paying a monthly subscription fee. And so this SaaS market, you know, platforms as a service is exploding right now. And it's how a startup can get into the business of being able to operate as an enterprise because we're just a team of 12 people, but we're able to outmaneuver and outscale a lot of banks. And that's what is kind of the interesting aspects of the fintech business is you could just do some really powerful things for not a lot of money because, you know, five years ago, we didn't have these kind of options. You know, you would have to spend at least $20 million to do what we're doing today where we're spending a fraction of the cost with monthly uh, subscriptions. Hmm. Wow, that is fascinating. I mean, fintech itself is fascinating. What a what a fun space to be working in. Um, so that's very cool. Um, yeah, and like I said, I can't wait to hear your talk. Um, a lot of, I'll be honest, a lot of times I don't listen to the talks, but yours I am for sure going to listen to. <laughs> um, <laughs> because um, it just sounds so, it sounds so cool and hands-on. Um in a way that a lot of CISO talks don't. So do you know of any, I mean, what are the, have you seen any real world cases of problems arising from poor API management? Yeah, so if we look at this past June 2020, um, a little known uh, data exposure situation almost occurred with Starbucks uh, for 100 million of its customer accounts. And a researcher found a REST API that connected to an internal backend API. And the uh, researcher was able to trick the WAF, the web application firewall that uh, Starbucks had in place with segments and being able to uh, worm their way in and located the database with the customer accounts. Uh, Starbucks immediately fixed the problems once, uh, once they were notified. 
but it highlights how cybersecurity departments don't understand how APIs are authenticating, uh, how they're limiting the traffic flows, and also the configuration setup. And so, you know, what I've learned over this is that there's a lot of blind spots with APIs, and we have to dig deeper with this uh, segment of APIs because if you think about, you know, any technology company or healthcare provider, or if it's just, uh, you know, Facebook or any of these organizations that everybody is using an API, but it comes down to how are they setting this API up? And this is where uh, I found this blind spot in cybersecurity that is often overlooked because we just look at the source code of things, but we don't look at the configuration of the APIs. And that's what got me interested in this. And fortunately, I was glad that I did because I learned so much from this. And I got some training from MuleSoft to deep into this because they have a very robust API management platform. And so there's a lot of nuances that you have to watch out for because, you know, not only from the authentication, but also uh, being able to limit, um, you know, how much traffic that you're going to accept from certain IP addresses because there's a lot of situations out there that you can overwhelm these APIs and being able to cause, you know, these denial of service attacks. And as mentioned, uh, this is a new form of activism if you don't agree with what a company might be saying. Right. Yeah, it's really, it reminds me of like third party um, management conversations I've had with CISOs, um, particularly the CISO board when talking about, you know, which topic fits into which domain of CISO. It sounds a lot like some of the conversations that the board has had around that, where it's like, it's an unknown that you're allowing access to your data and you have to really put some scrutiny on that, whereas for some reason, it, it seems like CISOs need a lot of reminders about that. It's a hard thing to to incorporate into your overall information security strategy. Yeah, because uh, to your point, uh, you know, we have a lot of third-party risk management and also fourth-party risk management uh, because those vendors uh, have vendors working for them. And so, you know, we have the third and fourth-party risk uh, that we have to evaluate. But at the same time, one of my greatest struggles, and this is a little bit of a deviation of our topic, but, you know, how do we implicitly trust our third-party vendors? We traditionally rely on contracts, and we might interview them, have them fill out questionnaires, but, you know, are they really doing the job? Mm -hmm. And in my previous roles, I've been able to see what the other side looks like, and I can tell you with absolute confidence that they're not doing 100% of what they're supposed to be doing. And that's something that's very worrisome for me. And so one of the things that I came up with as a clever strategy is I had reached out to some companies where I wanted to do some dark web monitoring. And so essentially what I would do is I would put some uh, dummy data into each one of the different platforms. And then I would try to monitor for that dummy data on the dark web. So what I'm trying to do is proactively identify a potential third-party data breach because what we've learned over the years is that when third parties have a data breach, the last thing they want to do is advertise it. And they always want to tamp it down, hire a PR firm, and always downplay it. You know, we've seen this play out a million times. Mm -hmm. 
in what I wanted to do is I wanted to get ahead of it. And so uh, I'm holding my third parties to a different standard that I'm actually looking for this dummy data on the dark web. And so this way, uh, I'm holding your feet to the fire that if you're getting sloppy with the data, uh, I'm going to know about it. I'm not going to wait for you to call me. I'm going to look for it before you even know about it. And hopefully I try. And so the strategy is try to minimize um, the damage, because if I can find it before they do, uh, and, and let's say they had 50 million customers, uh, you know, I'm okay. Uh, and this might sound strange. I'd rather lose uh, 10,000 records than uh, 40 million records. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's kind of the strategy behind it that I could try to minimize uh, some of the damages. And that's why I deliberately do that because we have so much heavy trust with our third-party vendors, especially with SaaS, uh, you know, software as a service, platform as a service, infrastructure as a service. You know, we're now relying on other people, and this is how we have to hold them accountable because we have all this new third-party risk that we're trying to struggle with, yet our neck is on the line that, you know, we're the ones who picked them, and if they uh, lose the day, it's our fault. <laughs> right. Is it currently on CISO's radars? to be looking at the APIs used by their third parties? No, it isn't. And that's an excellent question because uh, one of the things that you know you can do is that if you're connecting uh, together, uh, let's say uh, you have a MuleSoft platform and you're going to connect to you know ABC company, uh, they're going to have to give you uh, you know parameters, configuration guidelines of how they're going to set up that API. And that's when you get your cyber team involved with that because, you know, this is where you find out, well, what are you doing for authentication? What are you doing for a DDoS attack? What are you doing for, you know, making sure that this traffic is 100% encrypted? There's all these checks that have to be done. And so this way we don't have any potential data leakage. And this is where cybersecurity needs to get a little bit more involved with those uh, connection types because I think that we kind of look at from a perspective of, you know, it's like, oh, we need to create a firewall rule or or a WAF rule. Um, And and we need to go a little bit deeper as far as what that connection is truly going to be, hence the API. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, every time I think about it, this, the job of a CISO, I just <laughs> I can't even imagine. It's just, you could just keep going and going. Like you, you talked about fourth party management. It's like, oh, wow. I never even, yeah, of course. Like who are they dealing with? And then how are they connected with that API? Even if it's not connected to you and like, oh, <laughs> like, so stressful. And it could just go on forever. You're a special breed yeah. of crazy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about that. And, you know, I think that, you know, it's outsourcing to the outsourcing, uh, essentially what that is. And everybody's looking for new cost competitive uh, structures. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these companies are using, uh, you know, fourth party uh, management teams uh, in different countries. And so this is where we see a lot of support. Uh, you know, especially for after hours, if you're, you know, follow the sun uh, type of model. And so this is where, you know, that starts to, you know, have exposure for, you know, who's, uh, you know, having access uh, and, and what are they doing. And so that just comes down to good cyber hygiene. Mm-hmm. Well, something else I think that your your story highlights is, you know, you've been a CISO or equivalent role for a long time, um, but you had this new challenge and you took it on and you 
learn something new that, you know, previously was kind of, you know, you definitely knew about APIs, I'm sure, but just, you know, weren't as hands-on with them. And I think that's a really good lesson for, you know, CISOs, aspiring CISOs, pretty much anybody, that you have to be constantly willing to learn, especially in this industry. Um, yeah, that's an excellent point because, you know, I feel like for the past eight months I've been through a boot camp and I had to really retool myself and I thought I was technical and gosh, I wasn't, I wasn't technical enough. And so I think that I really had to immerse myself. And I think that just gave myself uh, building those uh, partnerships and the relationships with uh, the other teams uh, definitely played a role because there's always daily communications. And yes, we did butt heads a few times, but it was in a respectful way that we could pick up the phone and have a polite conversation the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I think that was really crucial to this because if I didn't have those partnerships and, uh, you know, where I looked to them as my business partners and, you know, treated them the way I wanted to be treated, I would have never found this information. And so it goes back to the soft skills that if I didn't have the soft skills, I would have never discovered this. Right. Well, and it, it's that and it's also the humility to be like, oh, I have a blind spot. I need to dig deeper. Let's find out more about this. Whereas I think a lot of executives, especially ones with your seniority, might not be as willing to kind of admit or maybe they'd say we need to outsource this. We need to, you know, someone more junior than me needs to be dealing with this. Um, but I think you learned a lot through this and it's definitely helped your company and will help your career going forward. So. Yeah, I just I just find that very admirable for someone at your level. Well, I certainly appreciate it because I definitely got schooled. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that'll keep you honest, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? When we look, you know, what does post-COVID look like? And mm -hmm. you know, I think it's pretty safe to say that, you know, a, a lot of us are still going to be working from home, that even if the vaccine is released, it's going to take 18 to 24 months to release that. And then we're going to have a handful of people that just don't want to be vaccinated. And you look at some of the Financial Times and CNN uh, polling, and, you know, we have a very large population that just don't want to trust that yet. They want to see how this uh, will play out. And mm -hmm. so, you know, what that means for us and why I'm going there on this topic is not from a political perspective, but uh, what the realities of what the future looks like. And so, you know, when we look at, you know, what technologies are doing really well, well, lots of e-commerce, anything that's contactless, anything that I could order online, have it sent to my house, not have to go uh, deal with people. You know, these are obviously very hot technologies. And in order for that to happen, there's a lot of APIs um, to make that uh, occur. And so I think that we're going to see the use of APIs continually exploding. We're going to see a lot of uh, new companies emerging from this because as we have, you know, many organizations ranging from, you know, Steinmark to, uh, you know, a whole plethora of uh, retailers that are just getting slaughtered right now, the ones who are really surviving are the ones who had a strong online presence. And, we're going to see that really exploding because if you want to make it in this new economy and this new way of, um, you know, operating in the business environment, you know, our connectivity is just going to be exploding. 
And this is why this has become such a hot topic, and it's just kind of a coincidence on how this all played out. That's a really amazing point, yeah. I mean, it's only if you're not dealing with it now as a CISO, if your company is kind of immune from this kind of thing, um, it's only a matter of time is kind of what you're saying. I mean, it, you're right. I mean, you, you did just burst my, bu- my bubble with me pinning all my hopes on a vaccine, and then we can all go back to normal. But you're absolutely right about that. This is here to stay for quite a while. Um, and, you know, getting 7 billion people vaccinated is going to be quite the challenge and won't happen overnight, even when we do have a vaccine. So point taken there. This is the new normal for quite a while. And APIs in a roundabout way, have a lot to do with who's going to be successful in that new normal. So very timely talk. Thanks for keeping us so relevant, Todd, with your <laughs> with your really uh, timely choice there. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, if you look at what's going on right now, you know, from a winners and losers perspective, you know, we know that there's going to be lots of people losing their jobs right now, which is, you know, incredibly fortunate, unfortunate. And then we're going to see consulting companies, their business is going to skyrocket because now there's going to be consultants, um, you know, helping drive these transformations for these companies. And so obviously there's a lot of transformations uh, underway right now for companies because they're trying to adapt to this new environment. And that's where we're going to see uh, the use of APIs just exploding because of these digital transformations. If you don't have a strong online presence, um, you know, you're going to be a Steinbart, you know, mm-hmm. and, and nobody wants to be, you know, that's a great company. I like them. But unfortunately, uh, we're going to see a lot of players get wiped out because they just didn't have a good Internet presence. Yeah. So if nothing else, it'll keep you competitive if you can help guide companies through their digital transformation securely. <laughs> if you, if someone needs their, their next opportunity. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Todd, like I said, I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for taking the time to to catch up with me and to uh, give our audience a preview of your very, very cool talk. If I didn't mention at the top, uh, Global CISO Forum is entirely online this year, and it's from October 5th through the 7th. Um, In the show notes, we'll have a link that you can register. Um, We do accept registrations from director level and above information security practitioners only, so keep that in mind. if you don't meet that description, we are also running Hacker Halted this year online from home a couple weeks after Global CISO Forum. So I will also put that registration link in the show notes. Um, but we're just so excited to do it. I can't wait to see everybody in October virtually. <laughs> and thanks for coming on the show, Todd. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Global CISO Forum, the podcast for information security executives.